Welcome to another episode of the brand called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today I have with me not just a very very dear friend but an extremely senior professional from the corporate world Sandeep Batra with us. Sandeep welcome to the show. Thank you so much Ashutosh and I'm honored by the introduction of all the people who've been on your show and I'm certainly very privileged Thank you, uh, to be talking to you. No, I'm delighted. Sandeep is the CFO of Crompton Greaves Consumer Electricals Limited. He was he's the former CEO of CFO of Pedilite. And he's also the former CFO of ICI. So, Sandeep, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? So, if I, if I go chronologically, uh, I will certainly have to go back many years. And you know, the first milestone was actually becoming a chartered accountant, mm. which um, certainly was not a very planned career choice. Mm. Uh, I always tell people that I'm kind of an accidental CA, mm-hmm. and uh, who chose commerce. Uh, in class 9 because he couldn't get into any other subject <laughs> such poor were my marks in class 8 uh-huh. uh, that i had at that time no option but to opt for commerce and then you know one thing led to the other and then i became a ca and I, of course i hmm. did really well in my sure. ca so that certainly was the first milestone okay and immediately thereafter was the second milestone which was finding my life partner okay uh, i had obviously found her earlier but i uh-huh. think getting her to say yes and then Uh, getting married was the second uh, milestone mm-hmm. and the third one happened uh, in the earlier uh, millennium in 1999 mm-hmm. uh, when you know out of the blue i was a very stable very contented finance person but my boss called me up on one sunday morning and said we are moving you to a business role mm-hmm. uh, and i you know, for one moment understood what a finance guy can do running a business mm-hmm. but that certainly you know uh, made me rediscover so many qualities uh, about myself uh, and that to my mind amongst all the various jobs that i have done was a life and a career defining uh, milestone to me that's very interesting but you know if you look back a very large number of ceos have been cfos earlier i mean they bring a certain amount of discipline i guess to running a business Yes, yes, they do. I, I think I have also many colleagues who moved on from being traditional CFOs to actually leading and running very, very successful businesses. Very true. Very true. Yes. So, Sandeep, let's talk about you as a CFO now. You know, you've been a CFO of many companies, and for a long part of the last maybe two decades. Tell me, how has the role of the CFO evolved over the years? since you started working i mean i was also finance person and we used to be called bean counters in the old days but now cfo is a very very powerful role absolutely right uh, ashutosh and you know the way the outside world looks at it and you know at times uh, the way the outside world refers to the journey they say that a cfo has evolved or the role has evolved from being a bean counter to a copilot mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how the world outside looks at it and in my view i think it is uh, it is a very subtle but gradual change that has happened mm. and it's the perspective uh, that that has changed over a period uh, because the cfo traditionally is been looking backwards you know he looks at the, as they say you look at the rear view mirror and you mm. drive uh, but the perspective has changed instead of looking at the rear view mirror you look ahead mm. 
and more importantly it's not just looking ahead you need to have a 180 degree view mm-hmm. uh, and that's the expectation that companies have now from uh, cfos um, and lot of things that were strengths of a cfo for example being a good accountant being knowledgeable about accounting standards and you know other technical stuff that is now actually a given so in my view now a cfo in addition to being a good accountant must certainly understand business mm-hmm. he must understand technology mm-hmm. not necessarily the product technology but there is lots happening so let's say information technology and he must understand mm-hmm. when he understands business what are the technical drivers in the business and he must understand people uh, because there are large number of interactions that the cfo is expected to lead so in my view these are the three things that uh now are a, a kind of you know the must have in the armory of a cfo in addition mm-hmm. to of course all that makes a good accountant or a good mm-hmm. finance guy so you know uh, when you were transitioning from being an accountant into a cfo did you uh, go through some specific training to be able to get understanding of technology and people and the business uh no no specific technology i was you know very privileged i must say mm. to have very very capable uh, bosses uh, who took out time to mentor me mm. uh, so i was very lucky you know my my longest standing boss uh, he was my boss for 13 years mm. uh, in icci he was a finance uh, guy but he was not a chartered accountant he was an iit engineer who did uh, mba in finance and then he rose to become the cfo and then the managing director in icci and he kind of you know took me along in his uh, journey is so a lot of mentoring and then there were other uh, bosses very successful finance guys who migrated into business so they kind of and these are things that you pick up mm-hmm. via your experiences uh, mm-hmm. so no no formal training or being a smart listener wonderful so you know you yeah. just uh, you know very aptly defined the role of a cfo as a co-pilot and you know i i've also been noticing that the ceos of most companies now depend very heavily on the cfo yes what are the kind of inputs that a ceo seeks from a cfo or vice versa a cfo gives to a cfo ceo so i think you know, this is something that i have uh, i mean it's not some it's not a recent phenomena mm-hmm. uh, in my uh, point of view mm-hmm. uh, every time if a cfo has an input uh, to give to the ceo mm-hmm. uh, even let's say 20 years back my bosses were more than willing uh, to listen mm-hmm. uh, and given the fact that a cfo has a 360 degree view of the business uh, and the end objective of course remaining same mm-hmm. the ceo is more than willing because you know for, for a ceo he gets inputs from hundreds of uh, or, or many of the the functional heads mm-hmm. you know, the sales guy will ask for something the marketing guy will ask for something so he looks to the cfo to help him make a uh, a good choice a reasoned choice when it comes to allocating resources mm-hmm. because the ceo the cfo is trained to evaluate very quickly mm-hmm. the pros and cons of a decision mm-hmm. so I, i have always found myself to be used as a sounding board and uh, i remember when i was the cfo in icci mm-hmm. uh, every morning with my boss my ceo we would have 30 45 minute sessions of you know just generally talking there was no agenda and generally talking and when you discuss 
then ideas emerge then choices get uh, uh, taken so i think the, the the cfo the kind of perspective that he has mm. in some sense blends very well with the kind of pulls and pulls that the ceo may have on resources mm. uh, so that's been one one area that i have partnered very well with the ceo very very interesting and you know as a non executive board member i know i know every time i go for a board meeting i always seek out the cfo first and ask the person tell me what's happening before the board meeting starts what are your thoughts on governance standards uh, in in uh, you know large publicly listed companies or large companies with large private equity so i think uh, you know increasingly over the last you know 10 15 years mm-hmm. uh, governance has become a very very important element mm-hmm. uh, and there are two angles to to governance one looking at it from the reputational risk that the company may face in case government governance standards are not mm-hmm. not good uh, reputation risk not only to the company but also to the board members mm-hmm. and we have seen many examples mm-hmm. where companies have failed because the oversight or the governance was uh, not good and then there is no looking back you know mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very precipitous drop uh, if you fall off the cliff on grounds of governance correct and um, also i think uh, the second issue of course is that you know capital is free Hmm. the investor he is uh, never got the kind of idea about the business that people inside the company have hmm. and one of the standards that now investors are taking to judge companies hmm. in which they want to invest is how kosher are the numbers and how high are the governance standards and given that capital is free hmm. if you lose that trust then you know you can say goodbye to any hmm. investor interest hmm. and the third thing which which i have at least used uh, on occasions i have worked only in one promoter uh, owned company mm-hmm. uh, but even in other companies if you can convince the uh, let's say the promoter that money in the company mm-hmm. is worth maybe 30 40 times money outside mm-hmm. okay and if the promoter owns let's say majority in the company then it's a it's a zero sum game it's, it's it's so simple to convince the promoter mm-hmm. that if you keep if this money stays in the company you get a 40 times 50 times multiple of that uh, and you own 50% or plus of that uh, multiple correct. so then you know it's a equation explained very simply correct the other thing that i often see in boardrooms and you must have seen so many boardrooms over the years is uh, there's an always an issue of transparency which i think is different from governance how transparent should board boardrooms be i think it is, in my view they should be uh, absolutely transparent and that's the practice that uh, i have at least tried to uh, uh, drive in mm-hmm. whichever organization mm-hmm. uh, i have been on you know i've been interacting uh, with the board since now over 25 years mm-hmm. uh, as the cfo in icip delight and now in uh, cronton uh, i think the issue that comes is when there is not no clarity between what is the role of the board and what is the role of the management mm. to my mind there is no conflict mm. there is no overlap mm. let me try and give an example mm. an average age of a board let's say will be 60 plus mm. let's say 65 mm. okay average mm. age of management mm. will be 45 mm. 
So there is a two decade gap between the average age of the board and the average age of the management. So one, there is no threat. Hmm. The board is not trying to do the management's job. Hmm. A, because what they did or what the management is doing, they may have done 20 years back. Hmm. So they are in that sense, kind of the context may have changed in the 20 years when the board members were actively running hmm. uh, management roles. And for the management, board is not a threat. Hmm. A board is a very, very good sounding board. Correct. Where you go with the board, go to the board with hmm. options. Hmm. There's no point taking one decision to the board and asking the board to opine on it. Because it is not the board's job to take decisions. Mm. It's the board's job to coach, mentor, management. So if you go and use the board as a sounding board uh, and you know present three, four, five options before them, the kind of inputs that you will get from the board members who have a very, very varied uh, experience mm. is so outstanding. Mm. And it's not that the board will give you the magic pill and tell you, okay, go and do this. Mm. They will present alternates. They will maybe ask you a few probing questions. And through that, clarity will emerge. And that certainly, you know, this whole process of engagement with the mm. board will also help build trust. Very interesting. Uh, and, you know, yeah. Very, very interesting. I love your perspective of, you know, the average two-decade age gap that could be there between board members and management. Fabulous perspective. Never thought of yeah. it. So one more question, you know, we spoke about this a little while earlier that several CFOs are able to make a transition to the CEO's role reasonably easily. I mean, I did it and you know, so many people who have done it, you did it. How easy or difficult is it for a CFO to transition to the role of a CEO? I think it is very tough. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it may look very uh, nice and exciting mm -hmm. and from the outside, it may look uh, you know, something that was like a bit of a cakewalk. Uh, but then let me assure you, at least the limited experience that I had, mm -hmm. uh, it is very tough. Because of two reasons. One, a CFO by nature is made to look at, evaluate data, try and seek certainty mm -hmm. in numbers, try and seek assurance. Whereas the job of a CEO is to take the right decision at the right time with whatever information that is available Correct. and there is a very different very big difference between uh, knowing what right information you need which mm -hmm. is the CFO's job and taking the decision at the right time so there is a lot of getting out of the comfort zone mm -hmm. that the CFO needs to be prepared for mm -hmm. if he wants to make the journey uh, to the big job mm -hmm. um, obviously there are a lot of lot of advantages sure. lot of things which go in favor uh, mm. of, of the CFO stepping into the shoes of the CEO. Mm. But I think if he is prepared to leave his comfort zone, mm. if the CFO is prepared to deal with much greater levels of uncertainty mm. than he ever has, uh, and be prepared that the CFO element of his job will only count maybe 10-15% mm. in the role that he is now assuming as the uh, as the CEO, mm -hmm. uh, then I think he can make a successful transition. But uh, while, while there are many examples, I'm sure there are many failures and you know, we know yes. nobody talks about failures. Yes, yes. Well right? said. Yeah. Well yeah. said. So Sandeep, you know, you've been a CFO for over two decades. You've been a finance person for a long time, a professional manager. As you live, look back, what do you believe have been your core values? Um, I think 
the three that i would like to call out first and foremost is integrity uh, you know because integrity not not just as an individual but in everything you do uh, because integrity will then help build uh, credibility uh, trust you certainly must must have trust trust in uh, people that you interact with trust in you know systems processes and then a sense of fair play uh, because everything cannot be done uh, you may not always get people mm. who work with you who who you may like personally mm. but at the end you know you have to rise above the person and do things mm. uh, in a in a fair manner mm. meritoriously mm. so these i would say are the three core values very interesting my next question is sandeep is that you know when i was a finance person there is a lot of interaction that would happen with multiple departments so the the finance head also has a has a leadership style which has to be able to interact with other departments as well as lead his own department what has been your leadership style uh, my leadership style i can i would like to sum up in again with three words one is uh, engage mm. so you have to engage with uh, other people you have to engage with your team you have to engage with other functions because only when you engage mm. can you understand the other side's perspective mm. otherwise it becomes a bit of like a you know you're only giving lecture or you're only giving theory uh, and then not only do you engage but then also you have to empower mm. uh, you empower your team and you make sure that the other people other colleagues have the full amount of empowerment to execute and do what is good for the business because very often you know cfos are termed as bureaucratic they will tell you 100 ways why things can't be done yes. but i have always been tell them 100 ways that they can do their mm-hmm. job without having to come to the finance person nice. and to my team uh, uh, to the team obviously you know nobody can be successful on his own and i have yeah. been absolutely privileged to have a fantastic team is to excite mm-hmm. the team mm-hmm. uh, you know so the road map that you know the cfos job while yes there may be one cfo in a company but that if you can show a path to everybody mm. how he or she can become a cfo then i think you can have a team that is as excited as you are very very nice so two more questions for you before i move to the next segment when you are hiring people what do you look for uh two things mm. a very very important uh, uh, for me mm. one is does the person have the ability to overcome odds mm. because when you start working you will encounter so many obstacles mm. everybody will try and put some roadblock in your mm. path but are you able to find a way around that roadblock and you know the classic example that i give youngsters when i had them, that you know when we were kids you would get a, mode, a battery operated car you know mm. which which would run on the floor mm. and moment it hits a wall it will then reverse mm. and then maybe it will hit okay. the wall twice yeah. then it will take direction change direction and it will then keep mm. on moving forward mm. so you have to be like that Very don't waste your time hammering mm. at the wall forever mm. so have the ability to overcome uh, odds and more importantly stability mm. you must must you know look at things from a longer term perspective mm. just because you didn't get a promotion when all your peers get hmm. got don't feel disheartened you know hmm. be stable leave it to the company they will figure out a way of managing your career very nice and uh, you know from a position where a lot of young people used to you know go for chartered accountancy cost accountancy become professionals mba finance what is your view on the millennials and the gen z's uh, looking at finance as a career 
So I think if you look at the number of people who are passing out mm-hmm. chartered accountancy, there are a large number okay. uh, of people who are still wanting to become a chartered mm-hmm. accountant. Now, of course, for a chartered accountant, you know, earlier when I passed out, there were three career options. You could work in a company, you could work in a big firm, mm-hmm. or you could start on your own. Mm-hmm. Now, starting on your own has become less attractive. Mm-hmm. So people either choose a corporate career <clears throat> or they choose uh, to work in a in a uh, big firm mm. but obviously the way they approach their career mm. is very different uh, from the way i approached my Correct. career when i joined i left everything to the company and to my boss mm. please plan my career and the company would give a proper roadmap as long as i was performing and delivering uh, i was very happy but today's gen z are not that patient mm. they don't want to leave the career management to the company or to some HR department, mm-hmm. they want to manage their career. Mm-hmm. They are so much more involved in their own, uh, you know, the job that the next role that they want to do, mm-hmm. uh, they would they would want to have a say in why I should they do this role and why not that role. Uh, so it's good. I mean, at least people are more informed. Maybe uh, when I was starting my career, I was more, how shall I say, trusting. But mm-hmm. these guys are, you know, certainly thanks to internet and their peer networks, far, far more involved in their careers than, than I was. Very interesting. So, Sunny, we've got time for three or four questions for you personally now. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask you my first question. You know, you're a, you're a keen golfer and have won several tournaments. How do you find the time from your busy schedule? I think to that, I think a lot of credit goes to my family okay. because they have, you know, used or they have uh, kind of sacrificed or given me that freedom mm. to go and enjoy something that <laughs> okay. I certainly enjoy. Okay. So without a family, without a supportive family, you know, now I've said no golf, then you know it's a veto power. No discussion. <laughs> yeah, no discussion. But then also the thrill, you know. I think what what makes one go back to the golf course is um. not, not just the friends that you play with or the friends that you make. But, you know, playing over 100, 120 acres of mm. lush green landscape, it brings a different uh, thrill to my day. You know, the first tee off that you do, uh, it's a very, very different uh, very feeling. Nice. And then also, you know, in the golf course, there is no competition. You are playing only against yourself. Yes, so that way, it's a big uh, stress buster in, mm. in, a, in a manner of speaking. Mm. Very interesting. The next question to you, Sandeep, is, uh, you know, on <clears throat> success. You know, you've been very, very successful. Uh, from where you are today, as you look back and as you look ahead, what does success mean to Sandeep? So, very uh, good question. Very, very personal, and obviously, the answer will be very topical. Mm-hmm. Depends what what you have succeeded mm-hmm. in. But if I were to use one word, uh, I would say contentment. You know, okay. After success, you feel contented. Yes, you know, you've you've achieved what you wanted to achieve right but then you know it's it's only for that particular moment but you move on new targets new challenges yeah. correct correct well said yeah. and a follow-up question to that is who or what inspires you i don't really have i don't have a role model so mm-hmm. i get inspiration from myself i challenge myself i set higher targets for myself okay. uh, i would say i inspire i, I use my own failures to teach me and I use my successes to inspire me to do better things. Wonderful. I have time for two more questions. Uh, You just mentioned that, you know, you think of your own failures. That is going to be my next question. You know, we all fail. And I've often said in South Asia, we as parents, we don't tell children it's okay to fail. 
Yes. And, and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. As a parent, as a child, it happened to me. What has been some of your biggest learnings from your mistakes? One learning has been that don't repeat the mistake. Mm. So if you know why you failed, mm. don't make that mistake uh, again. But then don't stop trying. Okay. Yeah, because the moment you stop trying, you stop living. And if you think you are failing less, then I think you are not trying hard enough. Very well said. Yeah. And my last question to you, and this is for the thousands of young people who will listen to you and you know take what you are saying as their advice. What would your advice be to a young chartered accountant who is starting off on his or her career in the corporate world? So I'll, I'll give it in a finance lingo hmm. that uh, first of all, you know, be patient. Hmm. But every decision and every step that you take, look at the net present value of that decision. Okay. Don't look at what it gives you today. Hmm. Don't look at just the immediate value, but you know, try and do a slightly longer term view and then look at the net present value of that particular decision or step hmm. and then uh, take your call. Terrific. Sandeep, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you lots of success and lots of hours more on the golf course. And I hope to play you play with you when you are in Gurgaon next. Certainly, Ashutosh. Thank you very much. The time has really flown. I know. It was such a thrilling and engaging uh, chat with you. And certainly, your golf offer is uh, very much on the table. And next time I'm in Gurgaon, we will have a round together. Look thank forward. You. Thank you, Sandeep. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.